Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host, uh, coming to you live uh, once again from uh, Dallas, Texas, the free state of Texas, uh, still governed by uh, Greg Abbott. Uh, We're here because last night uh, I was a part of uh, a special Blaze TV. Uh, Glenn Beck hosted uh, election, midterm election coverage. Um, and so we're going to talk about the uh, midterm elections. Happy Tuesday or no, I'm sorry. Happy Wednesday. Uh, yesterday was Tuesday. Happy Wednesday. It's hump day. Uh, we won't because I'm in Dallas. We will not have Tennessee Harmony today. We'll have it tomorrow. I'll be back in Nashville and Pastor Anthony Walker will uh, join the crew uh, for some Tennessee Harmony tomorrow. Today, we're going to talk about the midterm elections and uh, a couple themes out of that, and we're going to do it with uh, Delano Squires, who is here in studio with me uh, in in Dallas. Uh, Delano was part of our the Blaze coverage last night as well. Uh, we'll be joined uh, via Skype a little later in the show by Royce White. We'll get his take uh, on last night's events and what he you know. We'll go big picture. We'll go deep uh, with Royce. And then uh, we'll bring in uh, Kathy Barnett. You guys remember Kathy. She ran for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Should have won. It should have been instead of Dr. Oz, who got beat by a corpse last night. It should have been Kathy Barnett. Uh, We'll have Kathy on to talk about what happened in Pennsylvania last night and how John Fetterman was able to beat uh, Dr. Oz, who was a bad candidate. But we'll also ask uh, Kathy about why it's come down to the wire for uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona. Uh, the the Trump, uh, DeSantis, female version of Trump and DeSantis is struggling and is going down to the wire in Arizona. We don't know how that's going to turn out, but Katie Hobbs, who stayed in the basement like Biden and refused to debate, uh, is right in the thick of things. And look, there were some things that went on in Arizona voting-wise or with the ballots or the county machines or whatever that, that, you know, have raised people's eyebrows. But I think there's a bigger question to ask, and we'll ask Kathy Barnett, is a woman doing a Trump impersonation, is that effective politically? Mm-hmm. Do, do we want to see uh, women act like Trump? Or, and, and, you know, I'll ask Delano this, or if if I'm not sure how long Delano can stick around with us. He's got a flight, but if he's there for that conversation, or at some point I'll ask him about biblical male leadership. Mm. That's the time we're in, and I loved Kari Lake. I love her and, and think she was great. But I may be in error about uh, what we actually need in this time and what people are attracted to, because... 
and this will transition into our conversation uh, to open the show, me and Delano, Ron DeSantis, he was the only red wave last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah. We all woke up yesterday. Oh, there's going to be this great red wave. It might be a tsunami. And it only hit Florida. The, the, the storm that was supposed to take the entire country only hit Florida. Mm. And there are some takeaways from that uh, that we need to discuss as it relates to Donald Trump. And so I want to start here by uh, analogizing what's going on with Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis uh, to the movie Blood In, Blood Out. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Blood In, Blood Out. I think it was 1993. It's a movie about East Los Angeles and gang culture in East Los Angeles. And it made me think of what's going on with Donald Trump. It's Trump in, Trump out. It's like a gang. And so last night I was having uh, conversations or we kept having bumping into conversation about Trump versus DeSantis. And I was like, hey, man, I think. Uh, perhaps we need to be a bit more loyal, a bit more respectful of Donald Trump. Mm. That was my position because it seemed like everybody was kind of ganging up on Trump or everybody's hopping on the DeSantis bandwagon. And I'm asking the question and saying like, hey, don't we got to be a little bit more respectful? If Trump created DeSantis, if he created the room for DeSantis, if he created uh Carrie Lake, if 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 not for the Trump presidency, would Ron DeSantis be behaving and acting and governing the way that he has in order to create that red tsunami that they had in Florida? And so I'm saying or asking the question. Do we not owe Trump some loyalty because we know he's got blood in the game that he will not sell out because he has no choice. They're trying to put him in jail. And it's great what Ron DeSantis has done in 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 Florida. But does he really have blood in the game? And I say that blood in, blood out is because in order to, I can't remember the name of the gang they had in blood in, blood out, but in order to be let into that gang, you had to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. You had to have real skin in the game. And there were people that wanted to be in the gang, but... They didn't have a teardrop. They hadn't put the necessary time in. They hadn't uh, been through all the fires. And so you couldn't get in the gang. And then, you know, once you were in, again, the blood in, blood out, the only way to get out was through death. And I asked that about Trump in this situation. Don't we owe him that kind of loyalty? Uh, It's his gang. He started it. He's on the firing lines. And it's great what Ron DeSantis has done. But. When the bullets really start flying, Ron DeSantis' direction, will he be as loyal um, to people that want to see things disrupted as Donald Trump has been? And so, uh, Delano, we've had this discussion before on the show. Yeah. You certainly prefer (laughs) uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, What do you think of my blood in, blood out uh, analogy? I will answer your question in terms of do we, the people, Oh, the former president, President Trump, um, a sense of loyalty as it relates to a potential matchup with him and Governor Ron DeSantis. And the answer to that is no, we don't owe him anything. We elect people to represent us. 
right? We don't we don't serve our elected representatives. They owe us loyalty. That that so I think part of the problem is that all of us, Republican, Democrat, conservative, progressive, liberal, whatever, libertarian, tend to get the order of affection wrong. So it's like when when politicians start talking as if uh, everything is about me, 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 what I want, what I think. It's like, nah, they need to be put in check. All of, I don't care what party they represent. So I, I don't think we owe him. I think if the people feel that Donald Trump is a better representative and fighter for their values than Ron DeSantis, then they'll choose him in 2024. But that being said, um, DeSantis is different than, let's say, Carrie Lake because we're seeing Ron DeSantis, the governor, not the candidate in 2018 that won by less than 60,000 votes. That's where Carrie Lake is. Because DeSantis, very well, if things didn't go in a different way, and I think some people have attributed this to a, a group of um, black mothers in, in Florida who were very much pro-school um, choice. And he, he said, hey, I'm going to fight for you. And a lot of people say that they got him over the hump. But... Florida could be being governed right now by Andrew Gillum, a guy who has a serious drug problem and some other personal problems. So the, the, the state was fortunate to get DeSantis as governor, and he governed well for four years. Carrie Lake doesn't have that on her resume, so she's not in the same position as DeSantis. So it may be that, you know, there, there's some dynamics there in terms of a, of a female leader and personality traits that some voters don't want. I don't know. I don't know enough about Arizona culture. Ahead of the curve, ahead of this conversation okay, a little okay, bit. Okay, I want to okay. stick to DeSantis but, and Trump. But let me let me frame the question okay. a different way because okay. you've already said as voters no. Okay. And so my my follow up question would be: Does Ron DeSantis owe Trump a bit of loyalty? And and the loyalty that may need to be shown is mm-hmm. give this man his flowers. It, there's a way to. For DeSantis to be the candidate in 24, mm-hmm. hold on to Trump's base mm-hmm. if you give Trump his flowers. And 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 you got there's a respectful way if you're going to unseat Trump. Mm-hmm. There's a respectful way of going about it. And I think that was part of where my antennas went up last night when we were having discussions. It was like, oh, I'm going to stand. Man, let's give this man his respect, his mm-hmm. due. Mm-hmm. He created the Ron DeSantis's. He created room for Carrie Lake to do what she did. Yeah. Let's make sure we get this man as far. And DeSantis and these guys need to make sure they do that. Just don't run over Donald Trump. I, I, I think if I give him his flowers to, to you know, as you said, let's say in the public and speeches or whatever, acknowledge, and I thank President Trump, he supported me in 2018 and, and, and helped me seal the victory in Florida, so on and so on and so forth. I have no problem with that. I don't think him being anti-Trump would help him either as governor or as a potential candidate. But if give him his flowers means don't run if Trump announces that he's running in 2024, then no, he does not owe him that at all. Because because an election is not about the person running. It, it is about the will of the people. And and Jason, as a sports journalist right, and, and an athlete, you know this better than most. A guy's window... Um, let's say college football to be a first round draft pick or a top five draft pick does not stay open forever. Some guys have to strike while the iron is hot. If you're coming off a Heisman and a national championship, you come out. You don't say, well, and this is going to sound weird for me because, you know, I'm 
big believer in education. You don't say, well, I'm, I'm 15 credits short of getting my, my, my BA in uh, communication science and I'm going to go back to college. It's like, no, your stock is never going to be this high again. And there's no telling what happens if you come back that extra year. You could get hurt. You could play, play poorly and you can drop. Or now I'm not going to go into Carrie Lake, but there could be somebody else who rockets up the draft board and and they hop over you. So I, I don't think if if again, give his give him his flowers, give him his due respect is is a verbal thing, is a hat tip, is a nod. Sure. Right. There's a way in which, for instance, again, I use another sports analogy that Bill Belichick will give respect to Bill Parcells. But Bill Belichick is no is no longer the disciple he was when he was with the Giants. He's a man who can spend standing on his own two feet. And I think in the same way, there's a way that DeSantis can say, give a hat tip to Trump. But he does not have to, in my opinion, does not have to kowtow um, in front of the Trump machine. And if he feels that he's ready to run in 2024, that's exactly what he should do. Okay, go kiss the ring. Go Because Trump's ego is a problem <laughs> and potentially. I just think Trump's base... You need to hold on to that and their passion and not blow this thing up. And 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 again, last night I was much more defensive of, of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, keeping my I'm a political rookie. I got you. And and so in real time last night, I just kind of got defensive about Donald Trump. And, you know, when I wake up this morning and think about it, 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 it does feel like when I read all the stories like it's DeSantis's time. Mm-hmm. And and that's how this plays into the Kerry Lake deal. It's like it's in from a biblical worldview deal. It's like, oh, we're seeing some real male leadership, some mm-hmm. real masculine male leadership. And that's what blew through Florida and made everybody stop in their tracks and people switch votes. And because, again, let's run that graphic. I think we have of the difference in percentage of votes uh, between Trump and DeSantis in Florida. And and so these numbers are pretty amazing of how much DeSantis outperformed Trump uh, and, and clearly got a bunch of people that were uncomfortable with Trump, uncomfortable with the Republican Party to hop back over to Ron DeSantis. Those are some of the key counties and hmm. just the advantages that DeSantis had. And so at, if you're a Republican or a politician and you want to have a big impact with voters. It looks to me like male leadership, strong, masculine, fearless male leadership is being rewarded. And maybe that's where the, <laughs> the Carrie Lake thing, despite all the polls and maybe they did Mickey Mouse around with the votes. Who who knows? Mm-hmm. But there also could just be we're thirsting for male leadership and and it male leadership packaged with a strong because I'm telling you, I love Carrie Lake, but maybe we just need more male leadership. And that may be why she a bit underperformed. Well, I'm not sure, because in, in the Arizona race, it's two women running for governor. So, so you're going to get a female governor regardless of which way you go. I do think that there's something to be said for the notion that people may not read the same behavior, the same coming from a man and coming from a woman. 
right? And women say this all the time. Oh, men can do certain things and they're seen as strong, but if women do it and I'm, they call me a B or so on and so forth. I think that there may be something to that. Um, but again, I don't know enough about Arizona culture. I just, I tend to think that that part of the country, and maybe it's like a, in my mind, a Texas spillover effect, that like Texas is conservative. So New Mexico must be conservative. So Arizona must be conservative. And it may very well be that, no, those states are not as conservative as Texas for some for some reason or another. But yeah, it's. I think ultimately we'll, we'll see how the how the election sh- shakes out. Um, I I do think that Governor DeSantis, going back to him, has been a model for other conservative governors because he has stuck his neck out on a number of issues, and I mean some of the most divisive ones. Jason, you know anything having to do with LGBT is going to be divisive. And he, he, he weathered the storm of all the don't say gay, not just from the, the politicians in Florida, not just from the celebrities in Hollywood, from Disney. And anybody who follows politics and knows anything about the two parties knows that if there's one constituency group that Republicans are typically beholden to, it's major corporations. They love corporations. They think everything should be in the private sector. And for him to go head to head with Disney and say, no, you will not subvert the will of the people. And yes, I will use my authority as governor to strip you of certain privileges, not rights, privileges that you enjoy as one of, if not the largest employer in Florida. That to me showed a level of fearlessness that I don't think any other conservative would make that because when other conservative governors, whether I think I want to say Arkansas Um, South Dakota, there were a few others that had some of these, you know, protect girls sports bills come up and they all kind of waffled because they didn't want to get crossways with the NCAA. They didn't want to get crossways with Walmart. This dude went head to head with with Disney and said, I don't care what y'all think. And, And I think that is the type of leadership that residents and people respond to. Obviously, he pushed back on Fauci. He didn't allow the COVID madness to close down Florida, not only did his constituents reward him, all of the, the, the AOCs and all these other people, these Hollywood types, they were going to Florida. They weren't going to California during COVID, <laughs> right? They, they, were, they were having their day parties and going to Miami. So I, I think there's a lot to be learned from DeSantis's example. Um, him as a person, his individual story, you know, a veteran married to his wife, they got kids and so on and so on and so forth. Um, as well as how he has governed. And I, and I think what he does is he mixes the best of both worlds. He can trade punches with the media, you know, the same way Trump likes to do, but he also knows how to pick his fights. Um, but he also can govern. And, and that's what we need more than anything. I don't think we need more sort of uh, um, politicians. And I'm not saying, saying this about Trump, but just this is part of our politics in general. People who are just after the spectacle, who are just doing things to go viral. I don't don't think we need more of that. How about, and this thought just came to me, Mm -hmm. I wonder if there may not be some political advantage for DeSantis if he has a battle with Trump and and if it comes off as Trump doesn't like DeSantis and there's a feud there, that may make some leftists, some Democrats more comfortable with DeSantis. I think there's something to be said for that, yeah. Um, and if, and if he runs in 2024, he'll he'll have to you know 
sort of triangulate in that way to secure that part of the base because everybody needs to have their base secured. Before you go out and you find new voters, you need to keep the ones that you already have. Um, and then bring back, before you get to the left, bring back in potentially some of the never Trumpers um, and then even reach some of the center left people. Like I, I know people personally that in terms of their disposition would be more open to voting for Ron DeSantis than Donald Trump. I, I know people like this, right, who are cra- tired of all the stuff with the left, but Trump comes with so much baggage that they're just like, I can't, I can't do it. Now, and you know this is being in the media, what the media is going to do is basically say, well, DeSantis is Trump anyway. He's just, the media is going to turn it on his head and say, instead, because before it was Trump is Hitler, he's so terrible, I just wish we could go back to a regular Republican and da da and then you get DeSantis, and what they'll say is, Trump is, I mean, DeSantis is just as much of a Hitler as Trump. He's just more articulate, and he's more uh, able to in, enact fascistic policies. That's, that's what they're going to do. That, that's, the, that's the play that they're going to run. And that's why a feud with Trump may not be the worst thing. If, it, if it's portrayed as these guys don't like each other, they're enemies. Anyway, I, I, I guess I just have a concern or or a desire to see Trump given the credit for creating the room for Ron DeSantis to mm-hmm. do what he did. And, and I, if, if you had, and obviously it's all speculation, mm-hmm. uh, but if you had to guess, what do you think Trump thinks this morning about just overall what happened in the midterms and, and Ron DeSantis in particular, but just overall in the midterms, what do you think Trump is thinking this morning? Well, let me start with what I don't think he's thinking, which is, man, I really weighed, I really was an albatross around the neck of some of these candidates. I don't think he's thinking that. And do um, you think you believe that? I think there, there may be something and you'd have to look, you know, look at the exit poll and there may be something to say to the, to the idea that certain candidates who align themselves more closely with the former president didn't do as well as they expected or outright lost their races like Dr. Oz. Um, whereas other people like Kemp and, and DeSantis, and again, to be fair, they had the benefit of having a governing record to, to lean on who did not um, tie their fortunes to Trump, did, did fairly well in their races, right? And, and Kemp particularly because he, he was against Stacey Abrams, who was the darling of the left and of the media and of all the Hollywood celebs and so on and so forth. And he, he beat her up pretty bad. Um, so I, I, there's no part of me that thinks that Trump is going to look at this and say, well, maybe I'm not as influ- Maybe I'm not the kingmaker I thought I was. Um, he may actually say the opposite. Say, look, if, 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 these, if, if more people tied themselves to MAGA, then the Republicans would do better. Um, I, my sense, I heard he plans on making some big announcement next week. My sense is he's, his mind is probably going there to talk about what his future political forces are going to be. But yeah, I, I think this is an opportunity for Republicans to take stock of where they are as a party, where the conservative movement is and how to pick the right candidates. I'm glad we'll be talking to Kathy Barnett. Um, and pick the right fights and run effective races um, so that they have the opportunity to govern. You you brought me to one other concern, but I, I, I want to 
I want to get Royce White into the conversation, but my other concern is the whole smearing of MAGA. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, if if the machine, the system, the corporate media is successful in making MAGA an albatross and something that people have to walk away and distance themselves from, that's going to upset me. Uh, that that mm. that's going because they will have smeared a group of people that had legitimate concerns and and brought us a president who opened our eyes to the level of corruption in Washington, inspired uh, people like Ron DeSantis and others to lead more boldly. And and I just don't want to see those people smeared. I, I think their instincts were right. I think it's going to be perhaps hard for them to understand that maybe it is time to pivot. Maybe Trump's job is done. He's mm. inspired. He's opened our eyes. Uh, he's forced uh, Ron DeSantis and others uh, to lead more boldly. And and maybe his job is done. And that's why it's important. I just want people to give the man his flowers. I don't want people to say, hey, I told you we were right, that he can only take us so far. And 2016 was a fluke, uh, you know, because you'll never – get me not to believe that, you know, that fortified 2020 election. <laughs> I just, I'm just not hopping on board with that. But uh, let me take care of uh, our good friends at Good Ranchers. The holidays, when our waste get bigger and our wallets get smaller, it's the season when most companies want you to spend all of your money. But that's not Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers want you to save money this holiday season. Beef prices are estimated to increase another 20% early in 23 Continuing the largest price spike in meat in recent U.S. history, Good Ranchers is letting you lock in your price and the meat you buy this November when you subscribe during their Black Friday savings. With my promo code FEARLESS, you can get their exclusive Black Friday offer of two of two free Black Angus New York strip steaks. These are two 12-ounce steakhouse quality cuts that will absolutely blow you away in flavor, and you can get them for free at GoodRanchers.com fearless. You'll inflation-proof your meat budget, get $70 of free USDA choice steaks, and save an additional $25 on every box when you subscribe. Thousands of five-star reviews show why so many people are ditching the high prices and low quality of grocery store for good ranchers treat yourself or someone you love to good ranchers award-winning service and quality this holiday season remember to visit goodranchers.com fearless or use my promo code fearless at checkout to grab their best offer of the year black angus is one of the premier breeds of cattle for high quality beef so don't have a normal black friday have a black angus friday with two free steaks from good ranchers american meat delivered all right, you can email me and us and the show, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Uh, all right, we've already been smart. Now we'll go deep with Royce, Royce White. Next. Time to get deep. Uh, we'll bring in Royce White. Uh, Royce uh, tried to take on Elon Omar in Minneapolis. He's been knee deep in this whole political season. Uh, he's definitely a 
true member of the MAGA movement or was, or I, you know, I'll let Royce describe himself. But Royce, uh, your takeaway from last night as it relates to Donald Trump's future. Um, well, let, let me start here. The level of the, the crisis of critical thought and leadership in this country and around the world is profound. Um, part of it, part of the blame, much of the blame, you could say, could be laid on us as the people. We've accepted security and materialism and, and, and let that outweigh our desire for the truth. Um, and, and some of it can also be placed on the institutions and establishment that mean to give us that security and materialism um, and, and substitute for the truth. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it troubles me that people don't understand in this country, and particularly black people. So let, let's, we're going to get to that because that's the crooks of this. But most people don't understand that the revolution is already on. There's already a two-pronged revolution in this country, a second American revolution. The question is, what will the outcome be? Whose ideas will prevail? What will be left when the revolution has, has reached its, its, uh, its height? Um, and, and this election is an example of that. I think Kyrie Irving's controversy um, starts to show a real crack and fractionation in the, in the status quo political uh, mindset of, of black Americans. So I'm optimistic um, but I also am concerned and, and, and we may have to be the spearhead to, to reiterate to people who have now opened their eyes to how this establishment actually works and plans to 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 move um, that when they see the NBA treat a Kyrie Irving the way that they are, when they see the corporatocracy treat a Kanye West the way that they have, they're looking at Democrat politics. And I think a lot of black people in this country, at least from what I'm seeing with my ear to the street don't realize that yet. They, they don't realize that uh, two years ago, Adam Silver's Wikipedia openly said that he was a, a part of the Democrat Party and it has since been removed. Um, they don't see that that the liberal uh, uh, policies or the leftist policies, progressive policies, big tech policies, affiliations with China and the CCP are all a Democrat motif. Now, am I saying that we should vote Republican in blind faith? Absolutely not. In fact, uh, the, I, I view the political landscape from this lens as a Christian. Uh, the Democrat Party's platform is 100 percent satanic, while the Republican platform is about 50 percent satanic. And and I'm keeping score. Um, and, and the score is clear around abortion, you could say. But but um, the America First movement has been represented as um, the worst possible uh, manifestation of Republican politics that this country could possibly have when in actuality the Republican, I mean, the, the America first movement uh, has vowed and has waged their entire political platform on purging the Republican party of what corrupt status quo is left. Um, and, and, and that is where the uniparty uh, has, has reared its ugly head in this election and in the political discourse since Donald Trump arrived on the scene. Right. It's, it's that Donald Trump's a white supremacist. So never mind our, our uh, partisan differences. The liberal establishment will cover for the Republican insiders to make sure that the America first movement does not take over the Republican Party and, and be a party of the people. And I say this to my fellow black brothers and sisters everywhere. This whole thing is anchored on us. 
This whole thing depends on us. We are the key. When you see uh, Herschel Walker uh, down by 30,000 votes in a key swing state like Georgia, where the entire balance of power in the Senate is relying upon one Senate seat, a single Senate seat, the balance of the power rests in our hands. Those are 30,000 black people in Georgia that still believe that they have a better chance of, of civil rights and freedom with, with the Democrats than they do with the Republicans. But I'll say this. If you don't like the Republican Party the way you think it's been, if you don't like the Republican Party the way it is, there's an opportunity for you. Because out of 400,000 Republican Party officer seats, 200,000 of them sit vacant. There are 200,000 open Republican Party officer seats that black people around this country could go fill and change the face of the Republican Party. Will we choose to do that? That's that's what the, that's the onus that is now on the America First movement and Donald Trump to to prioritize. And and maybe we haven't prioritized that well enough. I would certainly say we haven't prioritized that well enough in the America First movement. I've done my part. I've tried to bring as many as many um, open-minded black people and minorities in general in this country into the fold. Um, but we need that leadership from the top down to prioritize that. And, and again, the, the, the top end of any of these political movements could act like and pretend like the black vote doesn't count or the black vote doesn't matter. Look at Georgia in the Senate. Look at Arizona. Look, look at Arizona in the Senate race that took place there. Only 70,000 votes or so. I mean, that, that's a drop in the bucket, uh, less than a percent uh, and is, is the difference there. And, and many other races around, around the country as well. So, you know, these minority communities that have been brainwashed uh, hold the keys to Donald Trump's future and whether or not he he understands that and will prioritize that we have yet to see. Mm. Hold the keys to Donald Trump's future. And so you still think this Ron DeSantis and that red wave that he led in Florida, that doesn't wipe out Trump. You still see a, a path forward for Trump in 24. Look, it it, it it it's not it it doesn't matter you know at, at a point in this we have to make a decision about what ideals and beliefs we hold true and whether and 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 if we're going to fight for those ideals and beliefs and and how and how we're going to fight for those ideals and beliefs um if we think that we can win this country back by being lukewarm or on the fence about about what we believe then we then we show our lack of faith if we don't believe that the gospel, if we don't believe that the fundamental issues that the America First movement claims to stand upon could actually change the hearts and minds of people, it's not their lack of faith that's the problem, it's our own. We have to believe that when you really sit a woman down and, 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 and explain to her that her entire political identity rests on her right to kill the most precious and miraculous thing that she could bring in the world, um, you have to believe that we the problem is we haven't been able to get to these people. We still live under this false presumption that we've actually been able to get a coherent and, and, and prevalent Republican platform message to the places it needs to go. We haven't. Why? 
because six media companies own every all 500 cable television channels. They own all the radio stations. They they built uh, social media. We this movement has just begun. This movement of America first politics and this sort of reformation of 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 the political discourse has just started. So, well, you know, throwing the throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, no pun intended on Donald Trump is is uh, is premature. What we need to do is drive home the and maybe it is DeSantis. I don't know. Let them have a primary and see what the what the American people think. I don't I don't care one way or another. I, I would like to hear them both on stage and see where they both stand on many issues. I'm not I'm not against that. Um, do I think that Donald Trump has shown that he has a a a, a, a sort of a sort of disdain for the establishment that allows him to say no when many people will say yay or maybe. I do think that. I think he's proved that. Um, but but DeSantis has as well. My my issue, and and this is this is what it's going to ultimately come down to again. Black people have been told this lie. We've been sold this lie, and this entire political narrative and the entire balance of power rests upon this lie. That the only way we could be free in this country is if the government continues to expand. Mm. And, and in this Kyrie narrative, you see people pushing back against the idea that the establishment could tell you what you can and can't say. But it has not it has not uh, uh, turned into a, a resignation of the welfare state. Another person who I think who I was thinking about the other day that they don't really prop up too often is uh, James Baldwin. Right. And you remember the famous James Baldwin speech when he went to go, uh, you know, debate in Oxford uh, at Oxford uh, back in the 60s. And he said, am I to become a permanent ward of the state? These people, the Democrats, number one, but the Uniparty, they plan to make you so broke that you beg for welfare, that you beg them for universal basic income. And how do we believe? I mean, these are the fundamental issues we have to sort out. You, in order to have freedom, let, let's say take an issue like in order to have freedom, you have to have self-governance. It's just that simple, people. In order to have freedom, you must have self-governance. But in order to have self-governance, governance, you have to have faith and sacred honor. But let's take the faith out of it. You have to have sacred honor. You have to believe that self-governance is a priority. You can't govern yourself if the if the state is responsible for your entire livingness of, of your entire life. Once you go on universal basic income and, and trust me, you're running out of diesel fuel now. Okay. The, the social security has become a drag, a net drag on the economy. The economy is, is, is in shambles and, and, and 10 months people have no idea how bad things are going to get. And they're intended to be that bad so that you give over your rights in exchange for a plate of food. This is very, very intentional. Why are black people, primarily black people who want to go on social media and have these delusions of grandeur and all of these egomaniac visions of their life as some affluent metropolitan world traveler who can spend <laughs> money on Gucci and Fendi and Balenciaga and have the girlfriend with the fake butt who has a girlfriend with the fake butt? Why would these people want to opt for a welfare state? Mm. I mean, it's 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 it, it it it's concerning and daunting to me, because in my mind I can see the look on their face. 
when they realize the scam. I can see the look on their face when they get a number across their chest and they get marched to a line city where the where the where your where your home, your micro house is smaller than a prison cell. I can see the look on black people's faces everywhere that really thought that this entire Democrat uh, experiment or agenda was meant to transfer wealth back to them. The wealth has already been transferred. That's over. This is not about a transfer of wealth. This is about the transfer of power. And right now, we as the black community are the last hope for this country to move back across a political spectrum that says individual, independent, free nation of shopkeepers that can defend and take care of ourselves. That's what Malcolm X wanted. And Donald Trump better better tap into that. He better tap into that or he could run or DeSantis could run. I don't care who they run in 24. If they don't tap into that and change the swing state inner cities in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, they're going to be left, you know, holding holding an empty bag. Royce, this is Delano. I mean, you you hit the nail I mean, you got a, a bag full of hammers. I, I would make a <laughs> Pelosi joke, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but I, I, th- I think Royce hit on something that I think is really important to expound on. I think maybe, let's say in 10, let's say 10 years, black folk are going to start to reconsider what the left has been selling for the last, let's call it 30 to 50 years in the same way women are many women across the political spectrum are starting to reconsider what their mothers and grandmothers were selling them with second wave feminism. Cause Royce is completely right. The, the democratic party, their favorite color is rainbow. It's not black. They, they sell us on the black stuff, right? Racial justice and we'll fight for you and BLM and da da da. But their priorities are pride and abortion. And I, I, w- I was telling Ali Bestucky earlier, um, I, I live in Maryland, right outside of D.C., and the state of Maryland elected Wes Moore, governor, Democrat. He's for everything, b- black man, so first black governor in, in uh, Maryland history. He's for everything every Democrat has to be for if you want national office. LGBT, these are his issue areas. Um, LGBT in education, Abortion. He wants to, to have a, a constitutional right in the state of Maryland to make abortion a, a, a right for women. And there's a pastor, a black pastor, that I know personally, who's like, oh, we're so happy, you know, that he's the governor, first black governor. And I'm saying to myself, this dude does not realize that if two men come to his church and say, we want to get a same sex mirage, right? We want you to officiate it. And he says no, and he gets crossways with the LGBT community. It's not the Democratic Party in the state of Maryland that's going to have his back. So a lot of black folk are still thinking that at least the Democrats are good on social justice issues, but they're not. That is a complete smokescreen. This party is a pro-abortion, pro-LGBT party. And if you're fine with that, if you're a he, him pronoun person and drag queens in the schools and so on and so forth, they will have you. But the minute that you step out of line, you're going to feel it. And, and, I, and I, I don't think most black folk get that yet, which is why we still think it's a virtue that 90 percent of us vote for Democrats. Um, but, yeah, Royce is white. You 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 
you you cannot have um you know you you need one you need big family which is why i talk so much about marriage if you want small government and if you don't have a moral and religious people then what you're going to get is 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 more government thanksgiving is in a couple of weeks there's some families that can't have a dinner or a cookout or a family reunion without the police getting called because two uncles can't be in the same room without fighting each other. So yeah. where you have a family gathering, now you got to involve the state. And, and so much of, of, of our lives is, is predicated on that, on state involvement. And I, and I wish that more black folk would say exactly what Royce was saying is like, you, you can't, you can't, you, you, what is this conversation about liberation and freedom? You're completely dependent on the state to clothe you, to house you, to, to, to feed you. And it's, it's a bad deal. And, and I hope at some point we'll wake up to that. Royce, uh, you mentioned Kyrie, or I'm certainly mentioning Kyrie, in terms of this process of waking people up. I don't know, and we'll probably talk about this tomorrow, but Ky- Kyrie did a IG Live either last night or this morning that was pretty interesting. He's not backing down. He's choosing his words more carefully uh, and and he's trying to unpack some big ideas in kind of a coded way that doesn't get him into trouble. Uh, but I do think this Kyrie situation is so crystal clear, like who's shutting him down and what they're afraid of. And it's to me, it's the vac deal. And, and, and it's like, hey, guys, we've cut a deal with all you celebrities and entertainers. We give you a check. And you do exactly what we tell you to do or else. And it seems so crystal clear that I see this topic of Kyrie Irving and we'll probably get back into it again tomorrow because of his IG live. That's the issue that's so easy to understand, so easily relatable that does seem to be waking people up. Well, well, first of all, let me say. Hello to Delano. And I think this is the first time we've ever been on a segment together. So shout out to that brother right there. I, I love Delano. I'm a big fan. And th- this is certainly an, an occasion, right? Um, Kyrie's my brother as well. And I love him. And I'm going to continue to support him. Um, you know, I started the petition on Twitter for for uh, people to sign on and have the NBA immediately lift his suspension and, and uh, reinstitute his Nike contract. And, and again, this... This goes back to us, though, as as a fan base and as a as a people who have a dollar that we spend. Remember, in one of my first episodes, I said the two ways that we exercise our citizenship in this country, one with our vote, two with our dollar. And and first and foremost, as a tangent, I'm sorry I have to do this. One of the huge cultural narratives that we have been just you know, sent down the toilet bowl on and as of recent is that the the integrity of our elections should be under no question whatsoever. I mean, that's that's an idea that just popped up in the last four years, really since 2020, but maybe even 2016, you could say before that it was commonplace in Hollywood, even um, that we should be very skeptical of the, the results of elections and that elections are um potentially uh, have the potential to be rigged, bought, uh, and so on and so forth, and influenced, right? That was, that was, Fortified. A common belief. <laughs> that was a common, that was a common belief in the mainstream, uh, you know, uh, uh, narrative. 
Now you can't question elections at all. So that's a telltale sign as well. But but back to the petition piece, we as the black community brought in one point six trillion dollars last year. One point six trillion dollars, which makes us the eighth richest black people in America are the eighth richest nation in the world. But we're talking about oppression. Mm. The only oppression is psychological. The only oppression is the oppression that we've accepted by working and 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 giving all of our um, all of the all of the spoils and all of the things that we earned with with our work over to a economic elite that mean to use us politically. And, and it's, I'm not the first black leader to say this, and I think. I'm not the first black person to say this. I won't even say leader, but I'm not the first black public figure to say this. Malcolm said it. Fred Hampton said it. And here's a here's an interesting culture war that's being played uh, uh, that 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 overshadows the economic war. Many black people, and you said this before, Jason, the Black Panthers, the Black Liberation Army, Malcolm X at times of his life and, and other black movements or pro-black movements have all uh, kind of loosely associated themselves with Marxism, left uh, Marxism, socialism, communism, or far left political ideology. And that's that that has huge ramifications today. And were they wrong? Was Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, or any of these other pro-black sort of uh, 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 radical leaders wrong to say that there's an economic warfare? No. And for the most part, that's why they were associated with far left politics. But the Marxists had other ideas. Mm. The Marxists said, hey, you got to roll with us by default, because if we lay this thing across an economic spectrum, you're poor for the most part and they're rich. So how could you roll with anybody else? But it was a scam from the beginning. Look at where we are. The people who have the wealth primarily from an individual basis are still white. (laughs) They're just white liberals. They're just white Marxists. Nothing has changed by us uh, uh, buying into this sort of communist Marxist uh, uh, strategy. In fact, more black people are, are, are losing uh, that, that individual ownership than ever before. It, yes, we have $1.6 trillion of money that we bring in, but we don't have equity. Hmm. Remember, I talked about an equi- equity society versus a debt society. The black community, black people in America are the single greatest example of a debt culture in a debt society. We make money. We spend money. We don't save money. We don't buy assets. We have no assets. Our only asset is our vote for Democrats with a promise that they'll make sure we stay free and stave off the white supremacists. Buy yourself a gun. Buy yourself a house, buy yourself two big, nasty pit bulls or dogs, <laughs> and you protect your own family. You protect your own property. You protect yourself. Because I'll tell you this one thing we can say for sure with black on black crime across this country is that the police never get there in time to save any of us. Mm. The state. Whether, whether it's white supremacists coming to shoot an Ahmaud Arbery or it's black people shooting each other with automatic gunfire every day, the police are never there to save us before we flatline. They come after the fact to clean up the situation and contain it. The containment is for one thing, so the system can continue to roll on as it has. Mm. Uh, Royce, I got to go. Uh, Kathy Barnett is waiting. 
Uh, we want to get a woman's take, and she was in the fight, and, and the whole doctor, Oz, Fetterman. That, that, that's, if you can, Royce, just in 30 seconds, I'm shocked. Fetterman, a, a walking corpse, basically, won. What does that say about us? I don't, I'm not sure what it says yet. I'm still skeptical. I'm very skeptical about the way votes are tallied and counted in Pennsylvania. And, and I'm very skeptical. Anytime a race, and it doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat, I'm skeptical when a race is within a percentile or a percent and a half of, 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 a, of a vote. You know, and, and, you know, he won by 100,000 votes. And I, I just can't be sure what that says. If people actually did vote for him over Oz, it means that we do not yet understand the implications of the party politics that exist in this country. Thank you, Royce. Great job, as always. Uh, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Webbock. Hit notifications. Hit subscribe. If you're listening on Apple, give me that five-star review. Uh, I'll be in the comments in the chat. Hey, let's get the likes right now. Get the likes up. I want to see a thousand likes when we come back. Uh, <laughs> Kathy Barnett. Next. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right, welcome back, uh, guys. We want to talk a little bit about what happened in Pennsylvania. Uh, John Fetterman beat Dr. Oz. Uh, I don't think we can get a better source on what to make of that decision than Kathy Barnett, who ran for this Senate seat and should have been the Republican candidate over Dr. Oz. Uh, Sean Hannity and these guys. I wonder if they'll be uh, issuing uh, Kathy an apology <laughs> uh, for supporting Dr. Oz and smearing uh, Kathy Barnett. Kathy, we'll, we'll start there. Sean Hannity tonight, do you think he'll start his show with an apology to you? I do not. <laughs> I am not. I am not holding my breath for that. That would take uh, a tremendous amount of uh, personal depth and character that I believe he does not possess. And so I am not looking. I, I'm not holding my breath for that. In fact, what I'm watching, you know, what would... You know, this was a hard loss for Pennsylvanians. Uh, I did go to bed early <laughs> and I happened to wake up in the middle of the night after my phone started uh, ringing off the hook and, um, and realized what had happened. And, and my heart immediately went towards the people of Pennsylvania. Remember, I spent 13 months on the road. 1,500 miles every single week. I got to meet a lot of these people. You mentioned a county, I see faces. I remember their stories and they deserve better, right? And so my heart, first and foremost, grieves for them because this is extremely sad. And I do not believe it had to happen, but it happened as a direct result of people who don't even live in our state 
coming in and forcing their will, their way upon the people of Pennsylvania. These are people who have second homes in Florida, so they're going to enjoy the red wave that that uh, Ron DeSantis created down there, whereas the rest of us are going to have to live here in Pennsylvania under the leadership of two extremely dangerous, not just horrible individuals. I think I've mentioned on your show before that, you know, externally, Fetterman is a slob, but I believe it doesn't just rest at the external level. I believe his external appearance is a reflection of who he is on the inside. This is a horrible individual. He was a horrible individual before the stroke, and now he's a horrible individual who had a stroke. And there is no reason why we should have lost to such an incredibly horrid and vacuous individual who has accomplished nothing of real significance. Um, have lived off of his parents. And yet, again, I believe we're in this situation today. One, it could have been avoided, but I believe we're in this situation primarily because of the Republican machine that tends to uh, value money and high name ID over picking a candidate that will actually relate and fight for our values in the Republican Party. Do you th- that view you just s- said about the Republican Party, the establishment, Republican Party, lacking substance and, and going not choosing character and high value uh, people. Do you think that's why nationally we didn't see the red wave that many people were anticipating? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I do not equivocate or hesitate on that um, acknowledgement. I mean, this was ours to win. Can you imagine a worse president than Biden? Can you imagine a worse uh, um, administration than Biden? I mean, it, it, I mean, he's a horror show. Look at the prices. It is as a direct inflation is a is a is as a direct result of him. When he got into office two years ago, he inherited an inflation of 1.2%, 1.8%. Today, we're well over 8% and climbing. There is no secession in that number. It's only going to get worse. In fact, that's what the Federal Reserve Chair, uh, Jerome Powell, has said very clearly. Things are about to get even darker. Look at the border crisis. Over 5, five million illegals have come through our have crossed our border since he's been in office. Look at the fentanyl and the number more children have died of drug overdose than than any other cause in our country. Pennsylvania ranks fourth in that. So this was our year to to sweep both the House and the Senate, get better representation in there. But instead, the Republican machine not the people. I am a firm believer that the people within the party are some of the best people, but we have a Republican machine that is more concerned, that isn't as concerned with winning as you and I may be. They are more concerned with control and they will rather sabotage an individual like myself, someone who is an independent thinker, someone with, who comes to the table with some substance, um, and they will rather sabotage that in order to get some someone that they believe that they can control, who won't push too much on the values they say they they espouse. But this is as a direct result of the Republican Party. They need to sit back, eat this, own this, 
take a, a dose of humility, which I think is going to be extremely hard for these people, and um, go somewhere and sit down next time. Stop interfering in other people's races. Stop thinking you are Jesus and you know all things and sit down and listen to your people, listen to your constituents. And you can just compare and contrast what Ron DeSantis did in Florida versus what the overwhelming majority of Republican candidates did all across this nation. Ron DeSantis is um, unapologetically conservative. He did not equivocate. He did not pretend he was a moderate or something squishy. He did not act like a plastic individual. He came out wreck and, and showed his death, showed that he believed there is such a thing as morality. There is such a thing as right and wrong. And he did not uh, fall back on that. He was willing to go to buck the system, whether it was a Democrat system or the Republican machine system. And look at what he accomplished. So. If you think that next time we just need to get an even more plastic whitewashed individual to run and that that's the winning ticket Republican newsflash, pay attention to what's going on. People are struggling and people want real answers. Kathy and and Delano, I want you to chime in on this. I want to read you some statistics and I just want your reaction. Uh, Married men broke for Republicans by 20 points. Mm -hmm. Married women broke Republicans by 14 points. Unmarried men broke for Republicans by seven points. Unmarried women went Democratic by a whopping 37 points. Yep. The Democrat Party is the party for single women. Mm -hmm. Kathy, your reaction? I mean, I saw a lot of that, especially within the black community. Um, You know, although I was running a primary uh, in a primary campaign and generally the rule of thought is if you're running in a primary uh, campaign, then you just want to stick with your base, which is Republican. But I spent an an exorbitant amount of time uh, in the black community, in the Hindu community, the uh, Asian community which all three of them tend to break towards Democrats. But I specifically went into the black community for two reasons. One, I wanted Republicans to see what it looks like to have a candidate who is comfortable in her skin and has the ability to walk into every single community, share our values, not equivocate on any of them and and see what that looks like. Because generally, if you look at the social media pictures, of some of the people who ran here in Pennsylvania, you would be hard pressed to find a minority in any of those images. <laughs> and in fact, I would text them and call them and say, hello, <laughs> newsflash, right? You're in a general election. Go out here and go get those votes because I saw that they were. So one, I went into the black community because I wanted the Republican Party to see what it looks like to have a candidate who has some substance, who can walk into these communities unashamed and win for them. But I also went into the uh, black community because I wanted black people to know what it felt like to be wooed, to have their Mm. vote desired, and to see what it looks like when a politician 
comes in and asks for their vote and not just brings cans of beans and when it's election time, but someone who comes in with a plan and who will sit down and talk with them and woo them over. I wanted black people to know what that felt like, because I don't think we get a whole lot of that from either the Republican or the Democrat candidates that go into these communities. And what I saw with that black men, I would walk into these communities and I would bring my laptop. Almost every single black man in the room after I talked to them, and I'm talking like 30 minutes maybe with them, almost every last one of them would change their voter registration from Democrat to Republican every single time. Black women, they weren't having it. <laughs> they were a little angry. <laughs> You know, I mean, and, and you can understand a little bit of why they may be angry, right? Sipping a little bit too much of the Democrat Kool-Aid, you know, got all of these babies by multiple fathers because that is the structure that the Democrat Party has, the trap that the Democrat Party has set for black women that, you know, that you are free, you are feminist, you don't need a man, you know, Uncle Sam will be your baby's daddy, he'll pay for your rent, he'll pay for your light bill, he'll get you a car, get you a phone, get you pay for your internet, right? And so, you know, that's exhausting. I grew up in a single mother household. And for me, I realized watching my mom that, you know, that was a little too much of a struggle. <laughs> and I didn't want to have any part of that because I saw my mother struggle. It's extremely hard to be a single parent. I don't believe it's designed that way for me to have to carry the entire load. So you have a lot of black women that tend to be very angry um, and very exhausted and then you have a party that exploits them on the on the on the democrat side and then you have republican parties who just ignore them altogether so um i i will agree with that i mean i can you know just going in the black community and spending time with uh the black community knowing black people knowing the struggle that we contend with i would agree with that statistic that you uh presented yeah, I mean, none of what you shared is surprising to me. Um, generally speaking, um, married women tend to be a little bit more conservative. And, and at the end of the day, if you want to think of it very simply, married women have are more invested in the thought that the resources that come into their family stay within their family and not go out to support, you know, somebody else's family. Um, I think part of what's going on here is is. Um, a separation between the two parties and and one of them has embraced all the tenets of feminism um, is radically pro-abortion radically pro what they call LGBT or pro-pride um, and this is a party the Democrats that say that masculinity in and of itself is toxic and harmful and oppressive and then they wonder why men don't want to vote for 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 their uh, preferred candidates, um, and then on the conservative side, to, to at least to their credit, conservatives in their party platform in twenty twenty will say marriage and the nuclear family are the bedrock of every civil society. Right, this is where kids learn their values and so on and so on and so forth. And and if you want small government, you need strong intact families. That is a message that I think would appeal to many men. It's not It's not something that you're going to put on a bumper sticker, but it, it is a way of living that is in line with God's order for the world. So I'm not surprised by that gender split, but to Kathy's point, in, um, what Democrats do, both in terms of policy, as, as she mentioned, is say that the government, the federal government is a suitable 
uh, replacement for the father. Elected officials and unelected bureaucrats can do just as much for you and your children as a man can. Um, unfortunately, over the course of 60 years, many women have bought into that message. But now what they've added on top of that is the representative pol- politics piece. Over the first two years of Biden's presidency, when when I would see, let's say, you know, black women, particularly in the media, talking about all the things that Biden has done. Two of the first things out of their mouth would be well, he elected. Um, he, he chose a black woman for VP and he nominated a black woman for the Supreme Court. And I'm saying to myself, what does that have to do with me? Or, what does that have to do with you? So what you're saying is he gave two black women, Ivy League educated, um, you know, at least one of them is. He gave those two black women really, really cushy jobs with a lifetime of benefits. But you still just as broke as you was two days before. But we have bought into the representation matters, you know, side of, of the political game. Um, and and it's, it's, it's actually self-destructive because as long as Democrats believe, as I said, that the federal government, un, you know, elected officials and unelected bureaucrats are a suitable replacement for the father. We're going to have all the, t- and not just us, every community. If you buy that line, you're going to have trouble because it, it disrupts the, the natural order. So not, I'm, I'm not surprised by that um, at all, actually. And I think that's why, to the extent that the black community is going to, even if it's a slow shift away from the Democratic Party, it is going to start with black men first. And I, and I think that's exactly what Kathy was talking about. So, Kathy, Delano takes me to the other topic I wanted to cover with you. Uh, Carrie Lake was kind of the darling of this election cycle other than Ron DeSantis or whatever. And everybody thought she was going to win in a landslide in Arizona. That race hasn't been called yet. It's going down to the wire. She may still win it, but certainly has underperformed what the polls said. I thought she struck me the same way that you struck me. As soon as I saw your ad, I fell in love with Kathy Barnett. As soon as I saw... Uh, Carrie Lake going back and forth with the media. I fell in love with Carrie Lake and I saw you guys like, oh, they got a really polished Trump energy. It's very polished. It's classy, but they're strong and they're going to they're going to be aggressive. And and I'm wondering if her struggle and then I look at Lauren Boebert losing in Colorado and I'm wondering if 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 Carrie Lake was Carl Lake doing the exact same shtick, would, she ha- would he have won in a landslide? I don't know. Um, I think, I mean, I'm not a fan girl for most people. Um, you know, it really doesn't, I mean, I, I've never even been to a concert. I, I, I just don't get interested in things like that. But Carrie Lake, I fangirl over her. She is Awesome. I mean, what an amazing individual and her ability to, you know, she she was low on money, but I mean, she was high on everything else and she used the media. She would just pause wherever she was and do a press gaggle and just go at it. And I think that's the kind of energy the Republican Party need. We need smart people who are not walking around getting elected on a stick. We need, you know, walking around with puffer vest jackets on and khaki pants, but people who are unashamed to be who they are. And that's exactly what she represents. Now, only 66% of 
the votes are in, uh, so we have still a ways to go. She's within striking distance, I believe less than a point. Um, in addition to that, uh, Katie Hobb is actually managing, she's overseeing this election. She should have recused herself. And now, surprise, surprise, we're having problems with those machines again. Machines are breaking down all of a sudden. Um, and so that's an issue. Uh, that is a very real issue. And that is what is happening right now. So I am so very hopeful that we will get another Ron DeSantis type in Carrie Lake as a governor. Um, I think we'll be very blessed about that. Um, so I think that that is really the issue. It's, it's you know, uh, the, the votes are not all the way in, only 66% of them in. She's within striking distance. But now we have these machines are coming up, uh, breaking down, having problems, having issues with machines. And that's a problem. Delano, if you want to add something real quick, and then I'm on, I got one more question I want to squeeze in for Kathy. Yeah, I, I was just curious. Um, this has to do with Carrie Lake, but but even going back to Pennsylvania, I'm I'm curious, Kathy, do you think that let's say in a state like Pennsylvania, um, is it is it better to have a truly conservative candidate, like obviously the candidate that, that you are that you were, as opposed to somebody who's more moderate, center right, squishy Republican? Uh, and I know I'm framing it in, in, you know, maybe not in the most objective way, but I think I think and let me let me say the reason I'm asking the question. I think part of the reason people have heard, you know, politics is downstream from culture. I would argue that culture is downstream from religion and where you have a, a populace that is more conservative because it's it's more moral and more religious. I think you have an opportunity to elect certain types of candidates. But if you have a population and you're seeing this with all these states that have these abortion referenda on actually on the ballot. Most of them are not passing. The pro-life side is not winning when abortion goes to the people. And I know that's just one issue, but I, I just wonder, can, can we have truly conservative candidates in states where the population just isn't there, where they are open to drag queens in schools, where they are open to abortion with very few limits? What do you see as, as the future in, in, that, in that sense? Uh, a lot of things. Um, is it better to have a conservative candidate or a squishy, moderate candidate that is uh, the equivalent of a chameleon? Well, how did that just turn out for Pennsylvania? <laughs> I don't think that that's necessarily the answer is to, you know, to get a candidate that can go either way that is, you know, presents themselves as moderate, you know, presents themselves as conservative just to get through the primary and then all of a sudden have a God moment and evolve into more of a chameleon. Um, I don't think that that's the ticket at all um, either. Uh, secondly, how do you define conservatism, right? Because mm. I don't think that it is, you know, a matter of whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. For me, it is someone uh, who believed that our nation was founded upon the greatest political document, uh, and that is the U.S. Constitution. You know, uh, uh, John Adams said our nation, 
our Constitution is made only for a moral and religious people. This goes to the other point that you made, you know, which comes first, uh, culture or religion. Uh, John Adams said our, our Constitution is made only for a moral and religious, because how do you get your morality if not from a religion, right? And morality simply means knowing the difference between right and wrong. Our Constitution is made only for people who know there is such a thing as right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And drag queen going into my second graders class is wrong. <laughs> On Monday, the day before the election, I, I hosted a parental rights uh, matter rally. And we had almost, um, I think it was about 500 people that showed up the night before the election. Many of them was going to be, um, you know, campaigning or uh, working the polls at six o'clock in the morning. Yet they came out in the middle of the, the state uh, to one of my rallies. And I blew up these 24 by 36 size images of excerpts and pages out of the books that are in our children's school. It is pornography. Mm. It is not blurred out. You see it all. It is graphic. They are grooming our children. I would say that is wrong, right? I would say that we're on the right side of that, on, on that equation and that they are the extremists. And so I think what we're missing is again, we keep going for candidates that are, uh, you know, I, I've been very open. The first three questions they asked me when I started meeting with the party leaders is how much money do you have? How much money do you have? How much money do you have? <laughs> right? That no, no one, no one ever asked me in those private meetings about my values. Hmm. Uh, uh, when did I become a Republican? Am I really a Republican? No one asked me that. The conversation was all before his bottom, I won't even mention the name, could hit the, the chair. The first question out of his mouth was, how much money are you raising, right? And so when that becomes the most important litmus test of whether or not you're going to select someone. I think that that is the problem. I think you have a lot of very arrogant people who think they know everything, who think they are Jesus, who think that they have the crystal ball to say who's electable, who's not electable. And again, they should look at this particular race here in Pennsylvania, eat some major humble pie and go somewhere and retire. Uh, I doubt they're going to do that because, you know, uh, one of my favorite scenes in James Bond, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, M looks at Bond and says, this may be too much for a blunt object, but mm. rarely does arrogance and self-awareness go hand in hand. And I think that that is the issue uh, for the machine within the Republican Party, that they are extremely arrogant and as such, they have very little self-awareness. But what we're experiencing all across the nation lands first at their feet. And they, they're out here already trying to make excuses trying to find somebody to blame, they need to turn that mirror on themselves and recognize that this is as a direct result of them and their arrogance. Kathy, before I let you go, uh, I'm gonna share, Kathy and I talked late last week, and so this isn't a curveball, but it's a curveball because I'm asking this the day after the election. Uh, but I, I wanted, because Kathy came up in the banking industry uh, we had a little conversation about the treatment of Ky Kanye West, Kyrie Irving, and just like people are coming down on them really, really hard. I'm taking a lot of heat for defending these guys along freedom of speech lines and 
uh, freedom of religion, particularly as it relates to Kyrie Irving. Uh, I, I just wanted you to share your insight, your thoughts on uh, how we seem to be reacting to a couple of guys that have thoughts that aren't approved, but you know that used to be allowed in this country. That you know, and I've written and talked about what Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali and people that were celebrated in previous generations, what they thought, what they said, and how we reacted to them. Now we're reacting differently, and, and Kanye can't bank anymore at J.P. Morgan, and uh, Kyrie is having money taken from suspended for five games, no pay. Uh, for tweet a tweet of an image that this seems preposterous to me. A tweet of an image that he's not receiving any money from, right? He just yeah. retweeted something, from my understanding. Yes. Uh, is that movie still up on Amazon? Of is course. Jeff Bezos still receiving money from that image uh, from that movie? Of course. Is anyone attacking Jeff Bezos or the Amazon platform? Of course. Is anyone not. canceling him, <laughs> deplatforming him? I mean, you know, it stands to reason that Jeff Bezos is receiving all the benefit from a movie that is so horrible uh, that you know that they have to start canceling individuals just for retweeting. Retweeting. Now, allow me to qualify by saying I have not seen the tweet that uh, Kyrie Irving uh, retweeted. I don't even know the name of the movie. Uh, if it's a movie or a documentary, if it's fiction or what, I have no idea what it, what it's about. Um, nor have I seen, uh, uh, other than the Tucker Carlson interview uh, as presented on the show itself, whatever that edited version may be, that's all I've seen. I haven't seen anything else that uh, I know that there's a video of him sitting in a room with some other black man smoking and drinking and talking. I went back after all of this hit the fan to try to watch it, but that video in its entirety is gone. You can only see clips and I refuse to watch these edited clips because I know how people get to edit and try to tell their version of the story. So I don't really know what in the world uh, that uh, that Kanye and Kyrie did so horrible that it would cause a company like JP Morgan and Chase. I believe if I'm, I may be wrong on this, but I believe I read an article where um, uh, Kanye West had $123 million in in the bank with uh, J or under management by JP Morgan and Chase. Now, again, I spent some time in the Wall Street environment, in the financial industry, and when I'm dealing, I mean, I worked on the buy side and I worked on the sell side, especially the buy side. We're talking about, you know, big money here, right, with these mutual funds. And the goal was, if I knew there was someone who had a billion dollars, let's just say, that's what his reported net worth was, a, a billion dollar plus. Um, and if I'm only managing $123 million of that billion dollar pie, my only thought was, how do I get more of that money under my management? So to see, not knowing what Kanye said, uh, because I haven't been able to see, uh, you know, what he said in that in that particular interview because they've taken it down. 
the only thing I saw was, the first thing I saw was J.P. Morgan and Chase told him to come get his $123 million out of their bank. They no, wanna, they no longer want to manage it. And I'm thinking to myself, just as a, um, you know, a reasonable human being who's worked in this industry and recognize these are some extremely money-hungry individuals. They just want more of it. So what on God's green earth did this man say that would cause them to want to shut him out? And I still haven't gotten a really good answer for it. And like I say to the black community, if they will tell Kanye to get his $123 million out of the bank, what do you think they're going to say to you and your $123 uh, in the bank? This is a, this is, this, this appears to me to be extremely dangerous and an overreach. And then to see black people pile on, I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to the whole Black Lives Matter? And, you know, let's just, you know, no matter what kind of heinous activities we do as black people, the rioting, the looting, the shooting and all of that, we got to, you know, we, 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 we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the other thing is that I remember in 2019, early 2019, I had the wonderful opportunity to go spend uh, many days, a little bit over a week in Israel. And I love Israel. Oh my goodness, I love the Jewish people. Um, I love their history. It's just steeped in uh, depth. Even in my book, after I came, I was still, I was in the process of writing my book at that time. And when I came back home, I added a chapter about just the richness and depth of Israel and all that I learned while I was there. But one of the things that was very prominent during that trip is that in America, you had the squad, the AOC, the uh, Ilhan Omar, and others, the Democrat Party, and several others, uh, Black Lives Matter, who was really pushing and making a lot of noise over this divest, boycott, and sanction Israel. And they were acting very anti-Semitic. And I remember coming back home, getting off the plane, going straight into the off, uh, in, um, in front of the cameras at Fox News in New York. And I started talking about you know, uh, what it is that they're doing and how dangerous their rhetoric is uh, for the Jewish people, but not just the Jewish people, but for any minority group of people. Um, and I talked about my experience in Israel and all that Israel has done to help uh, uh, those who, you know, uh, the surrounding Muslim communities. Um, I don't remember anyone trying to deplatform Ilhan Omar. I don't remember anyone trying to deplatform AOC. Um, and, and, and the other Black Lives Matter, I can't think of the one um, young black man who lives here in, um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, he was very prominent during the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm a host of a television show. I can't even think of his name right now. But I don't Mark remember. Mark Lamont Hill. Yes, Mark Lamont Hill. Yes, yes. He was a real advocate, very anti-Semitic, some of the things he was saying during uh, early 2019. And I don't remember anyone deplatforming them, him, um, or deplatforming any of them, kicking any of them out of banks, uh, you know, severing relationships and business opportunities with any of them. So my thought is, right, having not seen uh, what, what it is everyone is so upset with Kanye about, but just as a but as a as an intelligent individual sitting back and looking, this seems to be a whole lot of activity and angst um, over Kanye relative to those who were actively trying to boycott sanction 
and um, divest businesses from Israel. And they were, and they had a lot of anti-Semitic uh, rhetoric that accompanied that movement. So I just don't get it. And so it causes me as an individual to want to sit back and say, wait a minute, what is he hovering over? What target is he hovering over that that they don't care about? And then to see black people not get it. This is not just about Kanye. This is about you as well. Um, we have allowed these people not and, and I'm, now I'm not talking about the Jewish community, but I'm talking about the, the left. We have allowed them to use our history. We inherited a very powerful word, the word racist. The moment you say that word, it is supposed to stop people in their tracks and make them rethink everything they just said to you. Right. But when everything becomes racist, guess what? Nothing is racist. Right. And so we have allowed these white leftists primarily to use a word that was gifted to us off the back and sweat and torture of our ancestors so that we could say, wait a minute, you need to stop and reconsider what you're saying. We've allowed others to use it, to co-op it and to get all the benefit. Because if you walk around some of these neighborhoods, it is worse off today than it was before the whole 2020 George Floyd, uh, the whole rioting and all of that. It's actually worse off today than it was then. But they have received the benefit. Black Lives Matter raised what? Almost $80 million um, off of off of that word, off of that you know, and everything that comes with it. So we are just shooting ourselves in the foot. We have left ourselves completely uncovered and undone. And now you see people feeling real emboldened to, to truly be racist towards people who are just black people who are out here just trying to live their lives or trying to express their opinion. And I don't see that as something positive for us as a people. I see we are harming ourselves and we have just really played ourselves. Um, and then to see these, you know, uh, black individuals with very large platforms not coming to the aid, but instead piling on to uh, Kanye, for example, Kyrie. I, and again, I haven't even seen the video that he retweeted. They've taken it down and I'm, I'm very busy, so I don't have time to go trolling around for that kind of information. But um, we should be very concerned right now. Kathy, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I know you had mixed emotions last night. Uh, you had yeah, a bit of a I told you so moment with Dr. Oz losing, but also a lot of sadness. John Fetterman winning. Uh <laughs> Not, not a good day for Pennsylvania. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, we will circle back and be in touch. Love you. Uh, love the audience. Love tomorrow. Love the song Freedom. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll be back in Nashville. All right. See you tomorrow. My system, no relation, we all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seeds when we all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want.